It is Sunday, April 26, 2020. This is U62 the Targ. Let's do this. As we say in the radio business, if you put that on the radio, people will listen to it. All right, here it comes. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Why, what a little tiny microchip deep inside some electronics. Broadcasting to the world through the miracle of the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, this is U62 The Tar. Now your host, a man with a lifelong dream of getting paid to do this, Mark Pappas. On this week's show, we're talking about donating blood, we're talking about Pokemon in the screening report, and it's the 30th anniversary of Ninja Turtles. It's episode 10.02, Blood Cookies. So sit back, relax, grab yourself some warm root beer and a towel that's oh so fluffy. You 62 the tar, you're in for something special. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Cap is here, and welcome to this week's episode of the Targ. Still coming to you from my little two-bedroom apartment high atop Westlock, Alberta, as I'm riding out the whole COVID-19 pandemic. It's not too bad, you know. I still try to get my physical exercise in. I leave the house pretty much every day, only day, just to go for my walk. And now that it's getting nicer outside with springtime here and the sunshine out there, going for a walk ain't so bad. In fact, uh, the day that I'm recording this, it's the first day that it's warm enough outside that I'm actually wearing shorts. So yeah, I can't believe it. Middle of April and already in shorts. But because it is warming up out there, this is the type of year when I always think about I should really get back into cycling. I used to love cycling. I used to love riding my bike. All goes back to when we were kids, right? When we got our first bicycle and first learned to ride, that was our first taste of freedom. Now we can go all the way to the end of the block in twice the time. And from there, maybe down to the corner store to buy ourselves some chocolate bars and comic books. And I continued cycling all through my school life, going to school every day. Had to stop when I started going to high school because, you know, my high school is in the next town and I had to ride the bus. But I still rode my bike to the bus stop, still rode my bike to my after school job, took my bike with me to college and I always rode it around the town of Camrose. That's where I went to college. They had some lovely bike paths in Camrose. I loved riding around those paths. And, you know, on days like today, when I didn't like what was being served in the cafeteria, riding up to the McDonald's and treating myself to a quarter pounder with cheese. Of course, I didn't take my bike with me to Japan because, you know, that costs a lot to ship. But when I got over there, I bought a bike from the guy I replaced for 50 bucks, and I used that to ride all over the town of Kumagaya. And my cycling days came to an end when I came back from Japan. I get back, I get settled, I go, hey, mom and dad, where's my bike? I can't find it. Oh, well, while you were gone, we had a garage sale and we sold it. But I was still riding it. Oh, please, you haven't ridden it in the past year. Because I was in another country. Well, well, I tried to stop your mother, but, but, but she insisted we sell it. Wow, dad, way to throw mom under the bus. That speaks to a bigger problem there. And that's when I stopped riding my bike. But you know, whenever springtime rolls around and it starts warming up like it is outside right now, I keep thinking I should go to a garage sale, drop 20 bucks and get me a bike and take up cycling again. But then I never do. 
You're listening to Mark Kappas. It's clear to all of you that I am awesome. On U62, the Targ. But you know, it's not all being cooped up at home looking for stuff to do. I still manage to get out every once in a while and do something. Canadian Blood Services was in town this past week, and since they say it's still safe to go out and donate blood, I went out and donated blood. This is something I've been doing for about a year and a half now. It all started about uh, two years ago uh, when I was down in Red Deer. I was visiting my sister and her family, hanging out with them for a week. They got pandas at the Calgary Zoo now, so we went down and saw the pandas. The Westerner, which is Red Deer's big summer festival, was going on, so we went to the Westerner, and that's where it all started. Uh, My brother-in-law, he's very big into donating blood. So we were at a Westerner pancake breakfast. They had the booth for Canadian blood services there. And my brother-in-law was like, Mark, let's sign you up to donate blood. And I was like, okay. So we went over there. They started signing me up. Mark, here's from Barhead. Put him down for the next blood clinic coming through Barhead. Or, um, actually, Kevin, I'm in Westlock. You heard Mark. Put him down for Barhead. For those who don't know, Barhead is about 15 minutes down the road from Westlock. I'm out there a lot because when I was still working at the radio station, it was still on my beat for news coverage and events and all stuff like that. So my brother-in-law got a little bit mixed up. But still, when they came through later in the summer, I went out there to Barhead to make my appointment. And you know, donating blood is really easy. Uh, First, you got to fill out a questionnaire detailing your medical history so far to make sure you're medically fit to donate blood. And as I've joked before, filling out that questionnaire really makes me realize what a dull life you lead. Um, Have I traveled outside the country recently? No. Have you gotten any tattoos or piercings lately? No. Have you done any drugs lately? No. Have you had sex with a prostitute lately? No. Have you done drugs with a prostitute lately? No. Have you handled a monkey lately? No. A lot of people laugh at that monkey one, but it actually is a question on the questionnaire. So after you fill out all that, you go meet with one of the nurses. They'll go over the questionnaire, see if they uh, if there's any details you got to fill out. Like, for example, first time I did it, I just had my big first medical checkup with the doctor. So, oh, and what did the doctor say? Oh, he says I'm doing fine. Blood sugar's a little high, but I'm working out now to get that under control. Okay, you're still good to donate blood. And then when they're doing that, they'll do a little pinprick on your finger and they'll take a little drop of your blood and they'll use that to measure your blood iron levels because you can't donate blood if your iron is too low. So my iron levels checked out okay. And then from there, you go sit in the chair, they stick a needle in you and they take out a liter of blood. That's usually where I fail because I am so dehydrated. I always forget to drink water. And if you don't drink water when you go to donate blood, they can't find a vein at all. So there have been many, many times when I'm sitting in that chair, they tie me off like with like the little rubber hose and they're smacking my arm with their fingers and they're like, we're sorry, Mr. Kappas, we can't find a vein. We got to send you home, but thanks for trying. And then I go home all sad and dejected because it is kind of disheartening to be told you can't even bleed properly. So that's why I've been drinking a ton of water for about the past year. It's funny because I am trying to look after my health a little bit better. Uh, My record for weight loss was I was down to 240 pounds about a year ago, but now I'm back up to 250 I was going over that with my dietitian. She's like, well, have you done anything different in your diet, Mr. Kappas? Well, I'm drinking a lot more water so I can donate blood. 
how much water? I show her my app where I monitor my water, and she's like, oh, fuck yeah, it's water weight. So yeah, I'm drinking so much water, I put on 10 pounds. But still, it's paying off because I've been able to donate blood three times in a row now. So yay me. So if you want to donate blood, go to their website, blood.ca. If you live in a small town like I do, sometimes they have a portable clinic that swings through about every three months or so. If you live in a big city, I'm sure Blood Services has a clinic that's open five days a week where you can go down and donate. And yeah, it's still safe to donate blood, so go out there. It's really awesome. It's really cool. And what they show on TV is true. You do get cookies and juice afterwards. And I tell you, those blood cookies are some of the best cookies you can have. I call them blood cookies because you get them for donating blood. Everything's better with Mark Chappis. Crime has gone down, productivity is up, and ratings for Doctor Who are through the roof. Mark Chappis on U62, The Targ. And now it's time for the streaming report where I update you on what I've been binging during my days of self-isolation. Got two things to update you on this week. Uh, firstly, as I mentioned last week, Pokemon has their own streaming service. It's called Pokemon TV. They got nothing but episodes of the show there. There was a time in my life when I was obsessed with the Pokemon cartoon. I absolutely loved it. Even collected all the movies on DVD. I still have the first 12 movies on DVD. I think they're up to like 23 movies now. But anyway, I was browsing on Pokemon TV and I saw they had Pokemon Origins. This is something that came along just as my interest in Pokemon was starting to wind down, and I've always been curious about it. Essentially what they did for this four-episode miniseries is they ignored the continuity of the cartoon, they went back to the original Pokemon Red and Blue video game, and they decided to do a direct adaptation of the Red and Blue video game. So instead of Ash, your character named Red, you get a Charizard, uh, a Charmander, pardon me, he evolves to a Charizard throughout the course of the series because, again, in the original Pokemon Red and Blue video game, that's what you get to pick for your starter. Either a Charmander, a Squirtle, or a Bulbasaur. And your hero picks a Charmander. And then he goes out there to complete his Pokédex for his good friend Professor Oak. And you know what? Despite all their hype and hoopla about going back to the beginnings... It's just another Pokemon cartoon. All they did was change the name of our hero. About the only way it gets into being a direct adaptation of the original video game is in the final episode. Because in the video game, in order to uh, get to the end of the game, you have to battle the Elite Four, which are the four highest ranked Pokemon trainers. And once you've defeated the Elite Four, you go on to fight the existing Pokemon champion, and if you beat them, you become the champion and you finish the game. But no, you don't finish the game because now it gets all open-ended as you go out there completing your Pokedex and capturing all 150 Pokemon. So yeah, in the end there, you actually do get to fight the Elite Four like you do in the video game. So other than that, it was nice to finally see that. Check that off my binging bucket list. But you know, in the world of Pokemon, really nothing to write home about. And the second thing that I binged was going on this past week. We had Earth Day. Happy Earth Day, ladies and gentlemen. So with that, I went over to Disney Plus and I binged some classic Disney nature documentaries. 
A lot of people tend to forget that Disney was a pioneer in the field of nature documentaries. They cranked out a bunch of them in the 1950s under the banner True Life Adventures. Disney even won a slew of Oscars for them in the Best Documentary category, but they were a little bit controversial too, because a lot of uh, biologists would watch those films and realize, hey, the only way those animals would do that is if there was someone off camera, you know, poking them and manipulating them to do that. The most infamous example of this is their 1958 documentary, White Wilderness, which really perpetuated the myth of lemmings and their mass suicide. In order to stage a lemming mass suicide, what they did was they shipped a whole bunch of lemmings to Calgary and then tossed them into the Bow River. Yeah, this was back before there was like, you know, the ASPCA and animal cruelty laws on movie sets and stuff like that. So probably for stuff like that is why they kind of quietly let go of their nature documentary unit in 1960. But then their nature documentaries have had a bit of a resurgence in past years. In the year 2007, they founded their arm Disney Nature with the goal of cranking out a new nature documentary just in time for Earth Day every year. Disney was inspired to do that when the nature documentary March of the Penguins became a sleeper hit. And Disney was like, hey, we used to do stuff like that. Why aren't we doing stuff like that anymore and making all the money? And also, Disney missed out on getting the distribution rights to March of the Penguins, and apparently Disney boss Bob Iger was real bitter about that. So yeah, I watched one of the original True Life Adventures, and I watched one of the Disney nature films, and let's not forget, now with the Disney's big buyout of 20th Century Fox, Disney now also owns National Geographic, which is why you see a little National Geographic section there on Disney+. Plus. So might have to delve into those National Geographic films a little later on. And that's the streaming report for this week. Mark Kappas, Lord of the Overworld, Master of the Twelve Galaxies! Where do you pick that stuff up? I never see you read. Mark Kappas. It's like he channels dead crazy people. U62, the Tar. Think it's a cry for help? Rising up from the 
And there's your song of the show, Spunkadelic with 9.95 here on U62 The Targ. Perhaps one of my favorite songs off the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film soundtrack. That's something else that just happened. March 30th, 2020 was officially the 30th anniversary of the first live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film. So, of course, I had to toss it in the Blu-ray player and give it a spin. Here we are now, 30 years later, and the animatronic suits that they came up with for the Ninja Turtles absolutely blew my mind. Of course, those were the last animatronic creations that Jim Henson himself had a hand in designing. Before he passed away, he said they were the most advanced animatronic creations he had ever devised. Of course, over the years, I've read more about the history of Ninja Turtles, especially that live-action film. You know, when they made it way back in 1989, even though Ninja Turtles was one of the hottest properties at the time, no movie studio wanted to touch it because, you know, the live-action Masters of the Universe just a couple years earlier had been a colossal bomb. So it was made by Golden Harvest, which is a Hong Kong movie studio, and the same one that gave Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee their starts. So that's why the martial arts are so good as well. Those are Hong Kong stunt teams wearing those Ninja Turtle suits which is fantastic. Of course, it went on to be one of the biggest hits of 1990. I remember going to see it in the theater when I was a kid. Of course, when I saw it in the theater, I was like, this isn't Ninja Turtles. I mean, where's Bebop and Rocksteady? Where's Krang? And that Casey Jones guy, he's hardly in the cartoon. Why is he in the movie? But now that I'm older and more versed in Ninja Turtle lore, I see that it's actually a pretty faithful adaptation of the original Eastman and Laird black and white comics, which is why it is a whole lot grittier than the cartoon. But still, it is an amazing film, still very enjoyable after all these years, even if it might be a little formulaic. So if you can, I would recommend you watch it for nostalgia's sake. Anyway, that's it for me. I'm about rambled out. I got nothing more to say. As always, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Chaos in a Box. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Official Chaos in a Box. And you know, I just post my various ramblings there throughout the week. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts. I'm in Spotify now. And as always, you can find me at my official website, chaosinabox.com. I'm Mark Kappas. This has been the Targ. I will see you next week. And this brings us to the end of another exciting episode of The Targ. Don't forget you can download a new episode of The Targ every week at chaosinabox.com. The Targ is written and produced by Mark Kappas under the watchful eye of 42 Star Wars action figures. The Targ is a Chaos in a Box production. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that.